podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Roden Podcast. Stay tuned to hear all things LFC. Hi everyone and welcome to Season 3 of the Roden Podcast. Today I am joined by Neil Fitzmorris. Neil is an actor, writer and easily one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen. You may remember him from Phoenix Nights, from that Peter Kay thing and he now features in Waterloo Road. Okay Neil, great to have you on mate. Thanks for joining. How are you doing? I'm doing alright my friend. Yeah, I'm doing alright Tom. Yeah, all good. Um, just seeing out the dying members of the league aren't we really and... Um... Wishing for better, and, and um, thankful that we 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 finished more or less where we have, which, which is never very good. But anyway, uh, yeah, all good, mate. Just doing a little. My missus asked me to do a little bit of work around the house, and it's going to kill me. Oh no! <laughs> Get me back to work. It's <laughs> never a little bit of work, is it? No, five uh, minutes is always five weeks. <laughs> absolutely, mate. Um, all right, so I'd like to get into like the earlier things that you you got involved in, basically. So obviously, a mixed bag of talent, writing, acting, comedian. Um, I'd like to know how you got a, you, you managed to get into basically all three, really. And I, I have a feeling they sort of fall into each other. Yeah, they kind of. Um, my main thing has always been to be an actor. I just always wanted to be an actor. I wanted to to to, to, uh, to work in film and TV, theatre. I love, but but I, it takes me away from home too much. So, film and TV was what I wanted to do. It was the kind of thing I grew up with, you know. Um, once I realised I couldn't be a footballer, play for Liverpool, of course, which we all. <laughs> Which is a heart wrenching twang in anyone's life, in it when they're a Liverpool fan. But um, so really, from school, I went to, I went to Anfield Comprehensive, which is was flattened a long time ago. Yeah. But um, uh, I went there, I got into drama, really enjoyed doing it, and then um, thought, how, how hard can this be? And of course, it's it's one of the hardest things to, to get going in career wise that there is. I um, I joined an amateur theatre company in Liverpool. The Neptune Youth Theatre at the time it was now called the Epstein Theatre in town, but it was called the Neptune, and um, and 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 then began a really really difficult road because I had no, I had no one to give me a helping hand in that resort. You know, you, I had no famous dad as an actor or whatever family member to help me out. It was just starting completely from scratch, and it took me a long long time. And I was doing theatre in Liverpool and stuff, and and it was basically a lack of any kind of progression with with the uh, with the acting that led me into stand up because um I, no- I suddenly noticed that there was there was uh, a lot of comedians were going into were crossing over into into drama so you had like your Robbie Coltrane's and your Emma Thompson's and these were all like kind of Cambridge footlights yeah Cambridge or Oxford mm-hmm. uh, who went to the to the Edinburgh fringe every year and did sketch shows and they invariably got picked up so I had this mad idea that if I do stand up, it'll sort of segue into into trying to get actor work, and it kind of worked in a way. Funny enough, I started doing stand up in Liverpool. I entered, um, well, in my own, we had a pub at the time in Liverpool. We had a club called the uh, Rimini's Wine Bar. Me and my brothers and his brother sort of forced me into doing stand up. Really, he said he'd printed posters, and once the posters have been printed, you're in trouble if you don't do it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, I started doing stand up there, and then I entered the Liverpool Echo competition, stand up of the year. I'd only been, I'd been gigging long anyway, but I won it. Oh wow! So I thought, well, there might be a, there might be something in this. You know what I mean? So I entered a couple of. I found that the, the quicker way of doing things was to was was to enter competitions rather than. Which a lot of comics do, and I did do to a certain extent, slogging around the country doing fifteen minutes here and ten minutes there. It's it's it can take a lot out of you. 
So I just went straight for these competitions and I got to the final of a couple of competitions and one of them was um, the BBC New Comedy Awards. And uh, I was in the final in Edinburgh with, it was televised for the BBC. And I was in the final with Peter Kay. But I'd met wow. Peter in the round before because um, the semi-finals were held in a, in a famous comedy club called The Frog and Bucket in Liverpool. In yeah. Manchester, sorry, in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah. going strong. Still going strong, yeah. Um, so I, I got through to the to the regional finals there, and then one winner was going to the to the Edinburgh final, the national final, and they couldn't split me and Peter Pass, um, which was great for me because I only had I had I only had about a handful of people down. I had, I had me me that my wife was with me, and uh, and her brother and sister, her brother and his brother's wife, sorry, and uh, so there was only about half a dozen of us, and it was and Pete was was already a bit of a legend, even though he hadn't been going very long. So I, I mean, it was it was great. They really they were really flattering, and they sort of said, "Look, we can't we can't split these two. They've gone down so well, so we're going to send them both." So me and Pete went to the final, and we shared a flat for a few days in Manch in uh, in Edinburgh, and that's kind of when we first got to know each other. Really, and on the way back, uh, he asked me to 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 if I did a bit of writing or would I do a bit of writing on a little thing he had uh, called the A Six. Which was a it was a documentary about him and Dave Spikey traveling along the the A6 is the, long, is the longest day road in the in the country. Yeah. So they asked me to they had he had like a segment clear and he said Do you want to write a character so I wrote this theater direct theater manager and that was the first time we we worked together really and and then from that came the Peter K thing, um, which was the forerunner to Phoenix Nights, but at the same time I I'd written a. I'd written a feature film script um, because of a, a mate of mine who was getting into production, film film production, he'd found out about these um, ways you could fund film through tax. Uh, it was only diverting tax. It was only tax referral. It wasn't tax deferral. It wasn't you don't pay tax. You have to pay it. But it was, yeah. it was a way of funding movies. It came out for a bit and then it got lynched because it was, I think the tax man wasn't too happy with the way they were things. <laughs> By then we'd shot it, so I'd written a feature film called "Going Off Big Time," <clears throat> and um, we shot it in Liverpool, in and around Liverpool, and then it was released into the Cannes Film Festival. It got selected, and and then it was mad. It just went from nowhere, from you know scratching my ass in my house, wondering what I was going to do, to uh, to to writing Phoenix Nights and having a film out. So so. It all went pretty quickly after that, really, and that, that's kind of how the whole thing's intercepted, you know. Yeah, well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you a little bit about Phoenix Nights, obviously, because that's what I want to know about, and that's what obviously people want to talk about. So I'll go ahead with that first. Actually, um, one of my favorite characters from any TV show, and I still have the same like bit of a laugh with my mum about it, is Rayvon. Now, you must get asked to do stuff all the time about him. But how did that character come about? Because it's it's so random, but absolutely brilliant. Well, what happened was, pretty much like all the characters in that show, someone met someone like that at some point. I, in my formative years, from about the age of 16 to 18, um, I I joined a DJ, a, a, a travelling DJ, and I helped him pack and stack his records, and I helped him. I like quite like DJ. I mean, I'm not talking. I'm not talking. I'm talking... You know, I'm talking, uh, somebody's handed in a door key type DJ, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah. So like weddings and parties and stuff. So this guy had this disco called Sky Discos, and I, and I, jo- I he sort of took me on. So I just unpacked the uh, unpacked the car, packed the car, take the records, albums out, stuff. But then if he wanted to go for the cheeky ciggy around the corner, I'd mix a few records and stuff. And that's just sort of where you got into that sort of thing where they talk like that. They didn't really talk <laughs> like that, but there was a standard DJ voice that you had to do. And instead of it being quarter past 12, it was, you know, 15 after 12. Yeah. It's all that kind of American DJ. So that's where his, that's kind of where the, his voice came from, was was these this old DJ that I used to work for. And they all sound the same. They all pretty much have that same uh, kind of monotone sort of disco-y voice. So, yeah, and then he came about, really, we, we decided to make him a traveller. Um, just because I think it was just a nod to the travelling community, really, as well, and, and the fact that... Um, he was. He could think on his feet, and he, he he could you know wire the club up to a lamppost and stuff like that. We just, I think, we just thought it was a good backstory that he was on the waltzes, and because that's that kind of you want to go faster and all that sort sort of sort of thing, um, on the roller coasters and all that. And so it it, it just fitted that he was like a he was a fun fair uh, DJ really, as we yeah. saw in, in series two. He was on the caterpillar rides, and you know, saying, "Please stay seated, or you may die." <laughs> With a load of six-year-olds on caterpillars, but that—that's where really where, where where we got Rave on from. It was just a mixture of that, and then of course you had because he was from Bolton, he had to sell to do that as well. So when he wasn't when he wasn't on stage doing that, he was talking like that. He was never scouts. So. <laughs> I've I've got the box set still. I, yeah. I literally got it out before. Oh, I, I could watch it over and over. It's one of them programs that you can just relate to, can't you? It is. It's also one of the programs that would never get made anymore. Um, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, such is the world we live in nowadays. I mean, a, a lot of it. I totally accept a lot of a lot of uh, language that was used, a lot of descriptive language that was used. Um, I'm glad it's gone. Yeah. But um, I think I think you cast a wide net. You bring so much stuff in, don't you? And, and I think uh, I, 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 on the other occasion, I do have a look at it. I don't look at it very much. I don't look at anything I'm in really. So. Uh, but when I do, I think you know what there might have been the odd thing that you know you had a racist folk band, but there was always you never got to play because the the lucky went. So it was one of them where they, I think if you make them people the victims, mm. then everyone's having a bit of a laugh at them. But you know the lines have been played somewhere along the way. But it was great fun. I mean, it was such a wonderful show to do. Working with Peter Kay and Paddy, Paddy's brilliant as well. Let's not forget him, and obviously everybody else in the cast. That must have just blew up. Once that come out, obviously you've been in a lot of stuff and you mentioned the Cannes Festival and things like that, but would you say that that was probably the best time you've had as an actor? Or as a oh, uh, as well? I mean, yeah. I mean, going off big time will always be the most special job to me because I wrote, it's come from a blank page. It went yeah. from a blank page. It went out of my head onto a screen. And then me and the wife are in Cannes drinking champagne thing. What the hell is this about? Not just, don't get me wrong, so many people. It's it, what, what makes it so special is how many people... You know, my brothers were all involved. My family were involved. My friends were involved. And it gave opportunities to a lot of actors who weren't getting any work, mm. including myself. So to have that and, and then culminating in Samuel Jackson coming to your premiere, you know, in in, in, in the showcase on it, on the East Langs, the whole thing was a bit of a fairy tale, you know. I think Phoenix Nights was probably the most fun I've had on a set because I wasn't yeah. carrying the burden of writing and, and being the main star of, of, of a film, which it was with going off big time. But um, I think of all the jobs I've done, t- certainly TV, let's just say TV, yeah, 
Phoenix Knights is, is, is head and shoulders because we were all mates, you know, we were all we were all stand-up comics. I was the only one really with a bit of an acting background and the rest of them weren't and, and, and Steve Edge had a bit as well, I think. But, but every day was an absolute joy, you know, we were just ripping the piss out of each other every day and just having a laugh and, and, and a lot of the stuff we did, when you watch it again, none of the audience knew what was going on. The real punters yeah. of the club were the ones in the background mostly, yeah. We'd hire, we'd pepper a few what you call essays. Background artists, supporting actors, essays. We used to call them extras years ago. Um, but we'd, we'd sort of supplement them into the crowd. But most of the crowd, the old people in the crowd, were members of Farmworth Labour Club, which is where we shot oh, wow. it. And they didn't have a clue what was going on. So when I come on doing Dutch Hard House, <laughs> big Italian, and smoking them out, they didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> and once that idea that when the camera panned across to them, they were just totally shocked and... So yeah, you think you think they're actually acting when you see that because some the, the face. Yeah, when you see the old, normally the really old ones who are disgusted. That's <laughs> all real. They they didn't have a clue what the hell we were getting up to. Are you still in touch with the lads from the show? Yeah, well, yeah, I did a I did a gig the other week actually. Weird. I don't really do many gigs anymore, stand up wise. But I did one with Archie Kelly, who played Kenny Senior, <laughs> Kenny Kelly yeah. Senior. Um, and uh, Janice, Janice, who played Holy Mary, uh, Janice Connolly, who is now Barbara Nice, really. But um, yeah, so I did uh, did a little gig with them, and, and yeah, I've spoke to Peter a couple of months ago, and you know, the rest is just how you keep, you know, keeping up with each other on Twitter and social medias and stuff, you know, just seeing if everyone's all right. Everyone's doing okay. Of course. Well, I, I, obviously, you can't go into anything and things like that. Obviously, Peter had the big tour booked and had to cancel for whatever reason, but he's got that tour that he's going on now, which is for the next couple of years, which is. Fantastic yeah. to see him there again. Is, yeah. is he okay? Yeah, he's okay. He's just he's just gigging at weekends. Mm. So the reason why it's going to drag on for years is because, uh, oh sorry, you know, flow for years, um, yeah. is because <laughs> he um, he uh, he just wants to do weekends. He, I think it's just the pressure of and and the actual you know, exertion of doing um, a whole week. Yeah, a little bit much, I think. So he's 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 just doing he's just doing Fridays and Saturdays, I think, or Saturdays and Sundays. But yeah, no, he's back at it, and, that, and that's that's great. That's great for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, okay, I had Dave Kirby on in the last season, and Dave's brilliant. He's he's local to me, and I've, you know I've stayed in touch with him since. He's a, he's a cracking fella, as you know. You was in fifteen minutes that shook the world, and you was <laughs> you was Rafa Benitez, which is absolutely brilliant. How did that role come about as Rafa Benitez? So I've known Dave for years. He's a mate of mine, Dave. And, and, and he phoned me up one day. And he said, do you want to come into town? I want to have a little chat with you. So I went into town, had a coffee with him. And he said, I want to do, I want to do a story about what happened in them 15 minutes at half time for us to go from getting humiliated by AC Milan to, to, uh, to winning the, uh, the, um, the European Cup. So I said, um, oh, that sounds brilliant. He said, I want you to play Rafa. And I said, not a chance, mate. So he said, why? I said, because I'm a massive red. Rafa was obviously still the manager there. I said, and I, if I, you know, if, I'm not, I'm not a hugely confident person, although the job title would suggest otherwise, but I'm not really. And, and the thought of me getting it wrong would, would have been, I said, I wouldn't, if I can't walk into, if, if I'd walk into Anfield and get stick, or I'd felt like I'd let the, 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 the fans down and done something a bit ropey and it wasn't good enough. I said, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to face it. I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. It's, it's, you know, 
it's it's an important part of my life, the club and 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 the team. And and um, I thought, no, I can't, I don't I'll get someone else, mate, because I don't want to. I don't want to. So anyway, he, he sort of he, he left it at that. And then little, I didn't realise, but my brother Tony, who's a producer as well, who produce, produces stuff, um, he'd been he'd been roped into producing it. I think it was a very clever tactic by Dave. So then I went away to do peep show because I was doing peep show. Um, and I would be doing that for, you know, four or five days a week in London and then come home for a weekend. And my brother phoned me up and he, and he was pestering me to do it. Yeah, do this, kid, do this thing. And I said, Pato, it's rough, man. I can't, I don't, I don't, I can't do impressions. And so it was a bit of emotional blackmail, to be honest with you. Tony just said to me, look, I'm in a bit of a bind here. I'm producing it. And I went, you didn't tell me, tell me that. So anyway, I said, look, all right, I'll do it. There's the moment of madness. I said, I'll do it. I was in London. Um, and he said, everything's booked for, say this was the the Thursday, everything was booked for the next day. So I had to, and I was coming home. So I had to come home. I might have had a day's grace, but I had to, and in fact, I did. I had a day, I had a day or two. I, so, but it was happening in a few days. And I'm like, man alive, I'm not only have you got me doing a really difficult job, but I've got no time to prep it. I had to learn Spanish, and only Spanish for phrases and stuff. So I came home and, um, and it was really kind of worrying me that I thought all the way through I had this impending doom that I was going to knack it up, you know, and, and then I said, I can't look like Rafa anyway. And then my bird shaved me head. And I went, oh, you know, this might work. This I didn't realise <laughs> I had the potential to look. So so what happened was, uh, I, 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 I had said to him as well, the director at Ilya and you, who's, who's a good mate of mine, I said, look, don't have, I, I want a closed set. It's intimidating enough, but I don't want people watching. I don't want a load of people behind the camera watching. I want to just be able to come and do it professionally and then nail it and whatever get wrong. Anyway. Very odd thing happened, really, because when we turned up on the day to film, and not only was there about 80 people behind the camera watching, so that didn't go down very well. No. Um, but what happened was, I didn't know that at the time, actually, but what happened was I got into a dressing room and I put his, I put the jacket on and I put the tie on and I put the shirt on. And this sounds really wanky, this. I don't know whether you edit this out. So apologies. Go on. But this sounds like the kind of thing where I hear an actor doing it on Parkinson or something. And they go, oh, shut your tit. But actually what happened was, it didn't feel right. The glasses weren't right. This sounds really bizarre. So I said, Tony, the glasses aren't the right. They're not the right glasses. They're not. It turns out, I think, on the night, uh, in this double, he wasn't wearing glasses. But but ever since then, he'd had glasses on. So I was. So my brother ran out the place we were filming in, and he went to um, he went to uh, um, Silverberg's, the opticians, and he got a, an array of glasses, and he came back. And when I found a pair of glasses that really, when I looked in the mirror, I just looked like Rafa. I felt like Rafa. I felt. And then he sort of had these. He's only got short arms, Rafa. He's a yeah. bit of a pickwood. So anyway, I, it was weird. I got all the stuff on and I said, right, I'm ready to do this now. And I walked down the corridor and I could see people going, fucking hell. Mm-hmm. And it, could, it sort of made me feel like I can pull this off. We did it in two takes. I I opened the door. To, it was just a false door that I'm standing behind. It's supposed to be I'm coming in from the dressing room. They're all lying on these. On the, if you haven't seen 15 minutes, give it a look. I'm sure yeah, you can talk about it. It is uh, 15 minutes to shut the world on YouTube. It's been over a million views a long time ago. So it's unbelievable, by the way. So yeah, make sure you have a look. Yeah, so it, it's all done to the tune of my way, uh, the Frank Sinatra song, and Dave re- reworded it, did it slightly out of tune, so he didn't get sued. And uh, <laughs> and it's just Rafa saying about you know turn, turning the game around. And I did it in two. Yeah, it was mad. It was done in two takes, really. We did all the main stuff, all the main stuff in one, and then we did little individual bits. But it's just one of them classic examples of of when something comes together in the last minute. When you feel it's mind over matter, when you feel like you can do something, it's the, it's it's ninety percent of doing it. 
You might not look the part, you might not, but if you've in your head, it's why Tyson Fury's the world champion, because he's a nutcase who loves having a fight. Yeah. And in his head, he can't be beaten. And that's that was that was what I took from, from doing the Rafa thing was that um, you know, the moments I felt like I was in, I knew I could pull it off. And did he ever he, get in touch? Well, he came to the premiere of it and he said, um, I wasn't wearing glasses then and I'm not left-handed, but apart from that, it was fantastic. <laughs> probably a really Rafa thing to say because he was very yeah. technical, Rafa, wasn't he? But, no, it was, um, it was it was one of them ones where I look back now and, and every time, if a red turns around to me and says, that was great, that might then. That's all I ever heard. That's all I ever wanted to hear. I, I just want, didn't want to let them down. And then I did one night in Istanbul on stage and Rafa came alongside me, jumped up and down with the... Uh, with the That's dance. brilliant. Yeah, it is. Since he had the Everton job, it made it even better. <laughs> yeah, it was even funny when he did that. Oh, yeah. Operation Agent um, uh, Benitez <laughs> was nearly a success. You're currently in Waterloo Road. Yeah. How's that been for you in comparison to what you've done in the past? Oh, it's great, man. Uh, it's just, I, I just love acting. I love, I love that because that's the thing I wanted to do. That's the time I feel at my happiest, really, other than being at home, being sheltered at, um, or being doing jobs, back, doing jobs, breaking me back. Other than being at home, if you, you know, if you go out to work and you enjoy it, and I have been blessed, I've enjoyed every job I've done, really. It's been a couple where, where you, it all depends on the cast you're with, and some cast, some actors and actresses can be a bit of an arse, you know what I mean? And I think being from Liverpool, we, we're quick to judge sometimes, but I think we're also very, very quick to put the shield up if someone's being a bit of a dick, you know what I mean? And I, I, I think that's something that's it's quite a great thing. I think it's quite a proud thing to be uh, Liverpool. I'm very proud to be from Liverpool and very proud to know that we support anyone in anything they want to do. We don't want to, we don't ever want to let anyone down in anything. We, we'd stand next to someone on the picket line without, without really knowing what the picket line was about, but we do it because that's what we should do. And I think that's the same thing as... If you meet an arsehole, then that may add me. God rest his soul, my dad used to have a saying if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. If someone looks like a dickhead and talks like a dickhead, he's a dickhead. <laughs> so I've been in jobs where I've gone, ah, this is going to be hard work, this. But mostly 99% have been great. Where the difference is that it's mostly drama. And, um, you know, but I love drama. I mean, people used to say to me, all oh, right, you're a comedy actor. I'd say, no, I'm, a, I'm an actor. Mm. It's just that I'm known for comedy. But, you know, I'd. I did a an ITV drama called Mobile, which is a very written by a Liverpool lad, John Fay from Kirby, uh, and that was a that was a really serious drama about a, a guy with a brain tumor who was killing people. So I've done lots of serious drama as well. So so this the good thing about Waterloo Road is it's a bit like Mount Pleasant, which I love doing. I did that in Sky for many years. Whereas you you, you you get to do a bit of drama and a bit a bit of comedy as well. So with my character, I didn't I play a character called Neil. Funny enough. They asked me if I wanted to play a character called Neil, who was a teacher who didn't understand kids, who didn't really get modern life, who didn't really know what to say to uh, because he might be insulting someone. And I thought, yeah, that's not going to be much of a stretch for me, that, to be honest. You in a nutshell? That's pretty much me. <laughs> me teaching history. Um, so it, it's great. It's great fun. You get to work with young rising stars. Some of them are unbelievable. And you think, wow, they are destined, man. Um, and I get to work with some seasoned pros as well who were fantastic, Angie Griffin and who I've worked with before, but she's just amazing. And, and uh, it's just such a lovely job to do. It's, it's great, man. It's, and it's going down really well, which is good, because it's been going for 10 years before we took it up. So yeah, important. Is that 11th season or something like that now? It, uh, the first season we've had out, now we're on season season 12, started last week, I think episode two was last night. 
so you're sort of taking up the mantle of Denise Welsh and all that lot, do you know what I mean? And uh, Lizzie Bennington, some really good actors were in the old one. So, yeah. you know, people are enjoying it. And, of course, it's, it deals with so many different issues now. It's dealing with gender reassignments and, 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 and you know, different gender roles and, and, uh, and you know, sexual preferences gender-wise. And stuff. And there's so many different things. to, to So the writers do a great job, I think, just to make it, you know, to make it current, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk a bit about Liverpool then. Born and raised in Liverpool, as you've said, Anfield comp, massive Liverpool supporter. Who was your hero growing up? I mean, Dalglish sounds cliched, but I was at that time when I lived. I was born. I'm born and bred in Saint Domingo Vale, so I'm right by the ground. And um, my earliest memories are running down. As a kid, three-quarter time, he called us when the big red gates had opened, basically let people out. And I'd run up. So I'd be like, I'd be like, you know, when you go the wrong way in Ikea and you've got to go back through everyone. Oh, it's a nightmare. Well, I'd be doing that all the way up the stairs as a kid. And I just remember, especially when the nights were drawing in the winter, it was dark. I just remember running up them stairs and hitting the top bit and seeing that shaft of green, that beautiful green with the, with the floodlights on it. And it's such a romantic kind of memory for me. or such a, a, a vivid memory as a child. And then when you get cognitive with it, and you know who's what. You know, it's, it was that it was that eighty side really with Dalglish, and particularly towards the latter end with Aldo and Barnsley and all that. You know, Rush, of course. You know, these are they they were my old heroes. Uh, but Dalglish, I think, who I've I've got to meet on various occasions, and and he's one of the people that you still sort of pinch yourself when you meet him. And I've met a lot of famous people, but. Kenny's our leash, man. He's just a boy, wasn't he? And, and he still is. He's, he's such a fantastic... In fact, he shouted down the road after me, going, Rafa! Rafa! Mm-hmm. First times I met him, yeah, he was drunk in there. I was in London and his daughter... I was I was shooting something in London and I was staying in an apartment in... Um, oh, what's it called now? Chis- uh, Chiswick. And his daughter had the apartment below and they were having a christening of his one of his kids. And I'd never met him before and he'd watched the 15 minutes and he recognised me going into the hotel. Amazing. Into the apartments. So he's like, I love that. It was just phenomenal, you know, never get over that. And in modern day heroes, you know, Stephen Gerrard, just utter legend, didn't he? And um, I'm one of the best I've ever seen put a red shirt on as Luis Suarez. Just just a kind of a jaw-dropping football. Absolutely. Chasing it, you chase a throw-in for 50 yards. To stop yeah. it going a phenomenal. And of course, you know, God, we've been blessed, haven't we? Latterly, we've had, we've had, the best team on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. Certainly one that doesn't spend half a billion pounds a season trying to correct things and break 115 different rules. I used to have to say, and I used to say to my kids, imagine not supporting Liverpool. Because I don't I don't understand how anyone does. It's not support them. They're just an amazing team. I know everyone listens to this who isn't Liverpool. Say shit up, you know. But the things they've took us through, the things, the things, the places they've took us, the finals, the moments of utter euphoria have just been phenomenal you know I read a stat the other day that someone sent me on a, it's, it's been a fact I did it on a pod recently and Liverpool have never finished outside the top 8 in 60 years they've never finished outside the top 8 since the league was formed and it's only Barcelona it's the only world football club in in, in, in world football that can, that can boast the same stats and I know we're all moaning at the moment because things haven't gone the way we want to by our own levels of achievements when you raise the bar so high it's difficult isn't it but We'll be back with a couple of players short of of, of 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 getting right back on their tails. And Arsenal have just proven that they couldn't even do it for one season. So exactly. they just highlighted how phenomenal this Liverpool team was. All I think he has to do now is realise that, which you know he has, 
is realised that the old Gengen press has been gotten onto. The bombing down the wings caught everyone by surprise, and but they're onto it, Andy. So we just need to recruit in the right places. I'm I'm, I'm just hoping that behind the scenes isn't isn't going a bit ropey because you know you've had I think is it Ian Douglas left and Michael Edwards. You had a little trifecta there, and everyone seems to be jumping ship. And I'm just hoping that isn't because things are changing, but. Um, I hope there are a couple of players and we'll be right back at it, Tom, definitely, because, we, you know, it's it's just great, isn't it? Support yeah. It is, and it's, like you've said there, it's one of them seasons where, do you know what, we're allowed to have it, and seeing the people panic, and it, it just, just calm down a bit, take a step back and look where we've been for the last five or six years. A season out of this shows how difficult it actually is, because, like you've just said, Arsenal's arses fell out, whether you like to say that or not. The pressure that City put on, yeah. Eight games ago, they fell out. Yeah. You know, they did it to us. They've won 14 games on the top. We know what they, we know what they're capable of because they, yeah. they can buy 100 million pound players to put phone on the bench. They're in a different, they're in a different stratosphere. It's ridiculous. It's it's pathetic, really. Financial fair play is just a joke. But look what we've done and what we've done, and we and we'll be back to do it because we have the greatest coach in the world in world football, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, football fans, by their very definition, Liverpool are great, but there are obviously. Football fans of every club that have no patience at all. I've seen Arsenal getting booed at half time by their fans. Yeah. And then come back and win. And you know, well, that's embarrassing, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it, we'll always get factions of our fans as well going, what's going on? And did you, did you annoy me? You annoyed me hell, the hell out of me. And I was at the Spurs game and I went to the toilet at 3 all. As soon as that beak nosed Richardson, the toucan, as soon as he added that ball in there, I got up and went to the toilet. I said, I can't cope with cleaning that up. We've absolutely capitulated. And I missed his goal, man. I was taught oh. a very stern slap on the hands from the gods. Don't ever leave your seat until that whistle goes when them Reds are playing because they can do anything. And, that um, just made everything better, though, when it, when we scored again, didn't it? And it was him. It was him. It was against that little knob. He was still celebrating the thing, swinging his shirt. <laughs> so it's one of them, isn't it? Look, we could be across the road from the, from Stanley Park and look at <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We, we've got that, you know, we've put a great run together towards the end because things started to fit. Klopp's been saying it for years, he doesn't get a chance because because it's a relentless league, he doesn't get a chance to implement his, his changes. It takes longer. You know, they have a game, they have a day off, they have a game, they have a day off. It's it's Wednesdays and Saturdays mostly in it. So it's just now starting to fit and, and trends starting to flow into that really dangerous position. And once we get around that, and once we get a bit of backup for that and once we get, I think we need, we need at least. I think we need a couple of decent, world-class midfield players. The Bellingham thing's unforgivable for me, and I think, likewise, it's um, it's all right to say we started the season with not realizing that Fabinho would forget how to play football for half of it, or we'd have injuries that we didn't expect. That's all well and good. I can get that. I love the fact that Klopp is a, an, an honourable man who doesn't just throw players away. I love that. I love that he, he makes them work as much as he can for them, and I love that he. he, he what is unforgivable is is once you've got a hole in your boat, you plug it. And yeah. we had a hole in our boat when the when the transfer window opened. We had a massive hole in our boat. And the answer to that hole wasn't Arthur Bello, Arthur Mello. And it's not even his fault. But that to not get anyone then after what happened with our centre back situation was unforgivable, weren't it? Yeah. Unforgivable. And then, and as far as I'm concerned, the lack of ambition is unforgivable as well. You know, it's it's Bellingham's you pay 120 million pounds for one player, you're getting him for 10 seasons before he's at his prime. He's only 24. Well, after 10 seasons, he's only 19 now, just turning 20. It's remarkable that they've, and uh, you know, so let's see who they, let's see who they get. 
he said he don't want to spank all the all the all the money on one player. Well, what are they going to? They're going to get three them, and don't get three. They're talking about a kid from getting a centre back from Crystal Palace already. But it's that thing again of you've got to find a balance. You get you get yourself a couple of twenty million pound players if you think they've got the potential. Get a McAllister in the middle, or I'd like I'd like Barella. I mean, he's he was he impressed in both those Milan derbies. He was very impressive, mate, wasn't he? Yeah, he's he's when he's got the ball, he just makes everything look easy, and I think we need that. Really creative, but he grabs his box to box. He's tough, and we need someone like that. I mean, Fabinho, you can see him getting back into the game now because he's got because of Curtis Jones. Funny enough, mm-hmm. has, has a bit of pressure on him. But of course, we just didn't relax. We just didn't react very well to being pressed. The pressers didn't like being pressed, did they? So no, we need to just get a grip now. Get this game out. Get this season out the way, and there, uh, and and then uh, recamp and go again, mate. Don't we? Yeah, it's a, it's an important summer for us and. It's been an important transfer window the last three or four, but you know I think the, the screw will turn if it doesn't happen this summer for me. Um, we've got to a point now where if we don't invest, top four or five may run away from us, and we can't let a manager probably of our generation go with just the trophies he's got now because he deserves so much more than that, and so do we as fans. To be fair, the one personnel I don't want to ever see leave Anfield in in, in the not too, not too distant future. Is Klopp? I don't care yeah. about the players. Just keep Klopp, and if and if he's and he he's done an amazing job of keeping a smile on his face, man. He must be very frustrated. He knows exactly what he wants when he wants it. And he knows that they're not. And then they're chucking the club up for sale and saying, "Well, we don't want to sell it. We want eight hundred million quid, but we still who's going to give them eight hundred million quid and not be not be, uh, you know, not be getting given any power? So it's a bit of an untenable situation at the moment with them, and it's all out of our hands, mate, and there's nothing we can do about it. The yeah. Liverpool will remain regardless, but uh, and we'll keep supporting them. But they deserve, like you say, they deserve they deserve better than um, he deserves better than, than than what's been going on, and we'll all reap the results of that, mate. Yeah. So okay. So I'm going to finish the podcast with a few points from this season, and it'll be going into next season. There's some of the questions. So, player of the season for you this season, and why? It's a tricky one. That um, I mean. Just, Salah's done that thing again of scoring loads of goals without not without us noticing really, hasn't he? He's just, yeah. It's a tough one to, to, to. I mean, the problem is we haven't really had the same eleven for long enough, have we? What with injuries and it's got to be Allison. It's got to be Allison. Yeah. Sorry, I don't even know why I took so long thinking. I was going through the team front to back, and then saw this big bearded genius at the back. We'd have been eighth, tenth, twelfth without without the, the goalkeeping genius of Allison. So it's Allison Becker all day. Okay, and best moment of the season. No, you've got your 7-0 slaughter of Man United. I filmed in Manchester and I was going in with the tins of 7 up when I the next day. Under the man. <laughs> there are so many of them, mate. I can't, I, uh, that's the beauty of it. Even in a season that we think is disappointing, they still give you so many incredible, incredible memories, don't they? I mean, yeah. we just talked about one, the winner against Spurs, when we'd seemingly shot ourselves in the foot. Incredible. Um, what's yours? And I'll see if I... I, I can't look past United. And... Yeah. I think as a, it's not a moment, but it's one of them games where 20, 30 years down the line, I'll probably still be talking about that. Yeah, I've watched the stuff because you've got that kid Goldstein, haven't you? Whatever his name is, he goes on. You yeah. know, the Alan Partridge of YouTube. Um, but even then, when you put a collection of them together, when you know it's going to be seven and you see them at one going bananas, it's so much fun, isn't it? Yeah. Just back, kick your shoes off, open a bag of Monster Munch and crack away watching them. Just... <laughs> Four nil, five nil. Oh, they can't be any more six nil. So I'd probably we share that one, mate. I think. I think if we went back, we'd probably find a lot more. But you, you, you tend to that that one stuck out, didn't it? Given it that, yeah. given it seven, like. 
Okay, the biggest disappointment for you this season? Just mentioned it, I think, the, the, the non-signing of, of a player who is so much of a Liverpool player is unbelievable. So much of a Steven Gerrard. I mean, that kid's is an absolute worldy. We can see it. You know it. He's strong. He's versatile. He's clever. He's attacking. He's defensive. And um, and the not signing of him, I think, was a was a huge statement of intent from from FSG. It was a huge statement of um, of what their ambition is. That was their moment, wasn't it? That was their moment to go. We'll be out. Look what you've done to us. We got this club for three hundred and sixty million quid. We're putting it on the books for four billion. We've just took out a loan to to, to to do the stand. They took out a loan through Liverpool Football Club to 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 build the Anfield Road extension. They're not even paying for it with their own money. So do us a favour. All right, they're not Hicks and Gillette. They're way above Hicks and Gillette. But if if it's that it's that difference in it between between loving a club, owning a club that you believe in. And you want to see the very best of balancing books with a club, yeah, with a, with a view to buying another club, and that's what we've got. Unfortunately, it's it's very much I think the American way. If you look at it, it's interesting. If you look at how many American owners have actually succeeded in the Premiership, it's probably not that many. No, um, Chelsea have got a crazy one. Donk, your dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea have got it now. The Glazers, everyone wants them out. You know. There is an interesting thing, isn't there, where you sort of look and think it, it seems to cause it seems to cause sort of um, form a bit of a pattern. And it, it's it's it, listen, they've spent a lot of money on players and that's appreciated, but you need to listen to, to what's being said to them. And he was a massive loss. He's the biggest disappointment, definitely. Sorry, I keep saying no, no, no problem at all. Okay, so last question What do we need for the new season? I'd like to see um, a seasoned right back because, regardless of what happens with Trent, he needs cover. Because that transition period was difficult for him, and I think he's got an amazing, he's got an amazing um, strength of character to come through it and be the player that he that we all knew he is. Anyway, dipped there for a while. He was getting caught with all the stuff. He got caught. Let's face it, the Villa goal was was down to him not looking over the shoulder again, caught in two minds. So I think he either has to go. We've got a right back, and you go in midfield, or we're doing this thing again where he goes into me, floats off to midfield, and you've got Canate uh, floating across and I just don't think that's it. That's a, it leaves loads of room. Too much so, responsibility for Canate, not for me. Too much responsibility. It leaves too many gaps and it leaves, you know, anyone any anyone watching watching any of our previous games under that system will have us bang tonight. So I, I feel like a right-back is needed. Probably another central defender, which is, I think he was looking at this young kid at Palace who was supposed to be really, really good. Uh, I think it's Romeo Love. You got Lavio from Southampton in midfielder, but oh, you've got the, no. You're absolutely right. It's Southampton, but there is Gay a Palace. It, that's who it is, isn't it? Is, is he a centre back? Yeah, that's the centre back of Palace. I'm mixing them both up. Guy from Southampton looks very good as well. Uh, but you know, it's just I, I'd love a McAllister or 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 a, a Barrera there. Someone to someone to uh, someone you know is world class who's been there, who's been up there. And I thought we'd seen the back of the 15 million pound signings and that. You know what Same. I mean? That, the way one it where they'd come in and say, "Oh, these have got loads of potential." They wouldn't show any, and they'd leave. Mm-hmm. I've had enough of the Faber, you know, the, the Barinos in my life, and um, or Barini. Um, I've had enough of them, really. And uh, I, I, uh, Anthony Latellic, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather see, I'd rather see him, him stamping some authority on, on the team by saying, you know, because McAllister's no doubt about him. McAllister's a solid player. And I think he would really open up the midfield. But we need we need definitely at least two world class centre mids. Uh, yeah. one attack and one defensive. Agreed. Uh, 
and especially with Bobby going because we're going to miss that kid. Don't start me off. <laughs> plan B. It was always the plan B. Really, we didn't really have a plan B. But whenever the team throws ten behind the ball, we struggle. We struggle all the time. We struggled against exactly what Villa did. We struggle. And then he was someone who could just read that little bit of give you that little bit of of, of space between the lines, couldn't he? So yeah. I'm hoping that you know you put your you put your faith in Klopp, don't you? Because look what he's done for us. He knows what he's doing. All right, Neil. Well, let's call it a pod there, mate. Um, appreciate your time today. Obviously, it's, it's been a bit of time in the making with how busy you've been. So I appreciate you spending your time with me and getting this out there. So I wish you all the luck with Waterloo Road and obviously any projects you've got coming up. But yeah, it's it's so good to see someone from Liverpool doing well. So hats off to you, mate. Well, thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it, mate. Sorry it's taken so long. And, uh, no, no. And uh, it's been good. You've had your kitchen done twice since. <laughs> yeah, spank of this. <laughs> no, uh, no, all the very best, mate, and all the Reds out there who listen to the show. Uh, all the very best. You support the best team in the world, mate. Get behind them all the time, as we always do. And uh, yeah. onwards and upwards. Yeah, nice Cheers. one, mate. See you soon. Thanks to everyone for listening in to today's podcast and thank you to our amazing guests. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Don't forget to follow us on social media, twitter.com forward slash the road end pod and on Instagram, Instagram slash the road end pod.